We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome back to another episode of the Butting Heads podcast from Ramstock Radio. Shout out to Sean McVay there, temporarily in the intro, though I don't know how good of an idea that is because, Johnny, let's pray that the Butting Heads curse isn't real and Sean McVay remains a head coach. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of worried about that now. (laughs) I didn't think about that when I put him in the intro. Don't love that. Uh, anyways, we, we got a good pod. We just wrapped up an interview with Trevor Sigma of the Draft Network. Finally getting some draft talk for you guys. Uh, I figure it's about time and I, I guess we could, we could go right to that. But, uh, before we do, don't forget to check out Ramstock Radio, the other show on the feed. Give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. If it's not, make an account, give a review, take a screenshot, send it to us. Ramstock1945 at gmail.com or Twitter. At Rams Talk, you send it to me at Steve Barrow. It doesn't matter. Just get it to any of us. Say your name so we know who's leaving the review. And you'll be entered to win a throwback Rams jersey or whatever other kind of jersey you want to get. You're getting a jersey. It is basically what we're saying if you win the contest, which will be drawn once we get to 200 reviews. So I've been going for a while. Hopefully we can get there soon. Your help is only going to get there. Johnny, I do, before we get to Trevor, the – so this is going to be the weirdest draft ever. Uh, there's no draft, per se, in person, but the draft is happening. Uh, the NFL has not slowed this process at all, but teams obviously can't really meet with people in person right now. They're not going to be able to meet with them at the draft. I, I mean, <laughs> how I, I'm very curious, like, what this broadcast is going to look like. Like, is, is Roger Goodell going to be at home in pajamas announcing the picks like i i don't like <laughs> what are your thoughts on like what this is gonna end up being 
I, I think Roger Goodell like pushed for this to happen so he doesn't get booed as he in, walks to the podium. He's got to be psyched about that at least. That's like the silver lining for him. He's not getting booed. It it would be amazing if the NFL like played a boo uh, a boo track like as he walks to the podium. That would that would be amazing. I don't know if there's gonna be a podium or not, but there should be. <laughs> I would love it. Uh, I I would absolutely love if they did that. I th- I think they'd get a get a pretty good round of applause from fans on online because nobody's gonna be there. So uh, that that would be. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, but I guess let's let's just roll, man. Here is our interview with Trevor talking draft. All right, we are here with Trevor Sigma at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter from the Draft Network. Tre- Trevor was here last year. He did a great job of educating me on the draft and doing actual draft talk with Johnny. But Trevor, how's it going, man? Welcome back. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me back on. It was fun last year, and I'm looking forward to it. Love it. And look, I, I got to start with this because I think this is the pe- the content people need right now. Uh, first of all, if you don't follow Trevor on Twitter, genuinely a great follow. I wouldn't say that about everyone. I wouldn't say that about Johnny. He never tweets, but you should follow him anyways. <laughs> uh, but la- last year or at some point in the last couple months, you showed up to the airport for your flight 12 hours early <laughs> and you live tweeted it because rather than leave the airport you chose to stay there for the 12 hours you got to give us a quick walkthrough of that experience yeah okay so uh to defend my honor a little bit which also tarnishes my honor at the same time uh i had stayed a week in the city of charlotte where i have friends and my girlfriend lived at the time and here's the thing i had already been there for four or five days it's not like I hadn't been there very long. So I had already like seen everything that I wanted to see in Charlotte. I, I'd been to the food places I wanted to go, all that kinds of stuff. I show up to the airport at 6.30 a.m., go to bring in my bags. I'm going up to uh, to, to the line to, to check my bag in. There's nobody in line. I'm like, whoa, this flight's like an hour away, and there's nobody in line. This is my lucky day. I walk up to the counter, uh, woman behind the counter, very pleasant. You know, she just starts checking my bag. She's like, okay, you know, you're a little bit early, so we'll just take – we'll be able to take your bag, though, and, and we could just check it when your plane gets here. I'm like, plane gets here? It doesn't depart in, in an hour? And she's like, no, your plane leaves at 7 p.m. And if to remind everybody at home, I was there at 6.30 a.m. And I just look at her and I go, oh. And she kind of cracks a little bit of a smile as to know that this is extremely embarrassing for me. And she goes, yeah. So instead of, you know, Ubering outside of the airport, going to a food place just to get another Uber somewhere else, just to Uber back to the airport, I decided to stay. Uh, checked out every single terminal that wing that there is to, to see in the Charlotte airport. And I got to say, very lovely airport, a lot of diverse things to do. Plenty of uh, plenty of great spots to sit, watch the planes take off. Great eating places, and yeah, if anybody out there ever needs uh, some suggestions to kill time in the Charlotte airport, holler at your boy. It is a super nice airport, honestly, and it, it's oh, big. Yeah. It's big, and it's not like stressful, like like DC or New York or anywhere like that. It, I, I don't mind. Uh, I'm normally only there. Like, why? Why can't I think of the word? I'm not traveling anymore. Uh, like a layover. layovers, layovers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's it's not a bad spot. And listen, there are many worse airports that I could have been stuck at. No doubt about it. For sure. And X. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd have been rough. Well, actually, you know, the more crowded the airport gets, the more interesting the people watching would have been. But a key element of people watching is you got to have the right place to post up. You know, it's like you got to find the comfortable seat that you could stay at for a little bit. And that's also tougher in those areas. So a little bit of give and take there. Right. And look, let's be real right now. I think all of us would kill to spend 12 hours at a fucking airport. <laughs> all of us would kill to spend in 12 minutes outside of our houses at this point. <laughs> Literally, literally. All right, well, great airport talk, but let's get to the draft. Uh, Trevor, right, right for the draft network, uh, going to help us out. As our listeners know, I'm a pretty broad draft guy. Johnny's going to ask some of the more specific stuff, but let's start with this. 
The Rams obviously haven't had a first round pick in what feels like a decade. Don't have one this year. They're picking 52 in the second round as their first pick, then two picks in the third round, 84 and 104. Overall, with all the research you've done this draft, do you feel like if there was a year to not have a first round pick, like, is this a deep draft? Should the Rams feel okay going into it without a first rounder? Or is this something they, they might end up regretting? Well, you know, seeing as, as how last year ended the way that it did with them obviously not having the playoff hopes that they were shooting for, this isn't a great year for them to not have a first-round pick because of their needs. You know, if you look at uh, some O-line needs, linebacker, edge, you know, a cornerback, there's a lot of really good players there at the top of the draft. And, and some of those... It can be trickled down into day two, and I'm not saying that you, you, you they can't get a good player in those areas in day two, but this is a draft where you'll wish you probably had a first-round pick for those, right? I mean, if you're looking for a linebacker, you'd love to get a Kenneth Murray or a Patrick Queen, you know, edge rushers. It's not super deep after Chase Young, but Calevon Chason, Yeter Gross Matos, you know, the guys like that that might be first-rounders that could have higher ceilings that would impact it a little bit more. This tackle class is really great. Now, they might be able, if they want to go interior offensive line, second round of that 52 spot could be a sweet spot. But then corner, yeah, there's going to be some some good corners to probably pick in the second round. But you'd love to get a chance to draft a guy like C.J. Henderson or uh, Noah Igbenogany or Jeff Gladney or guys like that. And so even though I don't think it's, it's not doomsday by any means, I think the Rams can still get a good player even at a position of need for them right now. This is definitely a year that they wish they had a first round pick looking at the kind of needs they have. Yeah, and if look, if it all works out with Jalen Ramsey and he plays like the player we traded for next year, I think we're all okay with the trade, but it does sting not having a first round pick and sure. there's well, you know, like we have some guys at guard and at edge rusher and at cornerback. There's still positions you'd like to improve and you might you might have gotten a guy in the first round that could really change the team like Aaron Donald when we had two first round picks or something like that. But mm-hmm. albeit we have none. We're picking at fifty two. I, I think we would both agree that inside linebacker is the biggest need for the Rams right now with Corey Littleton heading out. Yeah. Real, really the guys behind him are just complete unknowns. It, on day two, you know, whether it's fifty two or whether it's their two third round picks what 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 guys do you see there that could help the Rams uh, that are worth taking on day two? Well, kind of like you said there, they're in a situation where you've got to take one of these guys almost like you're swinging for the fence because you're hoping to get some, some round one production out of what's probably going to be a round two pick. And if they're going with a linebacker there with their first pick in the draft in the second round – I look at a guy like Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. You know, he's had some off-the-field issues. He had some suspensions. He even uh, reportedly punched his his quarterback at practice before their bowl game. That just tells you just how much of a uh, a little like, kind of like a screw-loose guy that Willie Gay Jr. might be. But, man, when the helmet comes on, when he plays, when he goes sideline to sideline, I mean, like, this dude's got power, size, and speed. I mean, like, he's legit. He's just got to get everything under control. He's kind of like a bull in the china shop right now, on and off the field, it seems. And so if he's a player who he's not going to go in the first round because of the off-the-field stuff, or maybe not even off-the-field stuff. I guess it is kind of on-the-field stuff for some of it. But he's a player you take a swing at and you hopefully hit a home run with because he showed up to the combine and put on a show, man. He was one of the most athletic linebackers there and a pretty dang good athletic linebacker class. So he's a player where you might have your eyes on him with that 52 pick. And then, you know, with Littleton, I think it was a lot of coverage stuff that you're going to lose too. So yep. a guy with like, like Akeem Davis Gaither, the linebacker from Appalachian State, he's got some athleticism to give you that high upside. You might not have to pick him at 52. You could probably pick him a little bit later. Uh, and then a, a guy that I think would be worth taking a chance on for a team like the Rams is linebacker from Purdue. I like this guy a lot, Marcus Bailey. He is very smart, very savvy in coverage, understands it well, moves well, but he's got i think two torn acls i i what i can't remember which exact ligament that he tore in each knee but he's had two surgeries right two major surgeries now and he was a fifth year senior anyways and so 
that's a bummer because I really liked his tape. He was a guy who I thought was one of the best coverage linebackers in this class, but the injury history is not so great. On the flip side, that's what could allow the Rams to maybe capitalize on him, take a risk on him maybe in the third round or something like that, and uh, take a chance. Hopefully he stays healthy, and if he does, then boom, you got one of the best coverage linebackers in the class. He's able to uh, take some of that production and and give it back to that defense. And so those are probably three guys that I'm targeting for the Rams if we're talking uh, somewhere on day two. The Rams have had success with guys like that in the past too. Do you definitely feel better about taking a guy like Willie Gay Jr.? If Wade Phillips was still the D coordinator, we'll see with a first-year coordinator. But that's I agree. That's the kind of swing you'd like to see the Rams take. Johnny, any inside linebackers you were curious about here? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, one of the the guys that I, I'm really interested in is uh, Gaithers, for, exa- for example. For um, uh, example, I I felt like he was one guy that isn't getting the uh, the coverage that he should be getting. And mainly because he's coming from Appalachian State, uh, so I was I was actually happy um, that we that we got a little insider information there. Um, what about uh, Jordan Brooks, the Texas Tech linebacker? Yeah, I like Jordan Brooks, and he's kind of he's he's definitely got a hive to him. Um, he's I think he's probably towards the top of what would be that second or third tier. You know, he's definitely a gap shooting kind of a player. He's a guy who's able to get downhill. And I th- I think he shows a good ability to kind of sift through chaos, which is really, really important for a linebacker. But um, getting off blocks, not something that he's great with. But I do think that he shows good athleticism. You know, he seems like a sub package kind of a linebacker that could really help you out in those ways. I think he moves well. I think he processes things really well. He just doesn't have a lot of functional strength. So you don't want to get him too caught up in a lot of the stuff that's happened around the trenches but um i you know i think that he's smart he's a savvy linebacker and i think that he would he's going to be in the top of let's say you know isaiah simmons in a tier by himself patrick queen and kenneth murray are probably in tier two by themselves then you're going to get into that like tier three tier four of linebackers i think he's probably somewhere in there and i think a lot of people are going to have him in that tier three with like Willie Gay, Willie Gay Jr. with maybe Malik Harrison, perhaps Troy Dye, depending on what you think of Evan Weaver, guys like that. And so um, I think that he could definitely be an option. I, I, I would hope that at 52, you'd be able to get better linebackers, like I, maybe with Willie Gay or taking a chance on Akeem Davis Gaither or something like that. But maybe those with one of those third round picks, if you haven't picked a linebacker yet, I think Jordan Brooks could definitely be on the table. Okay, uh, so uh, I'm gonna kind of take this away from you, Steve. I'm Go like, for get, it. get the hell away from me. By all means, <laughs> you know more about this shit than I do. Well, because one of the things I think all three of us can pretty much agree on is that Les Snead is one of the most unpredictable GMs in the NFL. There's no question that he may or may not shoot for needs here. I mean, even going back to last year's draft. He traded down so many freaking times, and when he finally did select a player, he ended up getting a safety, which was not a need at all. So looking at the interviews that Les Need has been setting up, he has a whole slew of different players from the obvious needs from like the offensive linemen to the linebackers uh, to positions that are not as really well needed like it's even down to players like tight ends wide receivers and running backs running backs yeah you can make an argument for but um the interesting thing in all of this is yeah of course you want to keep some of these players in mind but do you do you really shoot for some of the top guys in like this, you know, second round. Uh, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing in all of this. So my question to you, Trevor, is one of the players that has caught not only less needs attention, but a lot of teams attention is what are your thoughts on the Rams potentially going after Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor? Well, I mean, I'll agree with you. I think that Lesney kind of gets it's crazy with his mythology or methodology, if you will, in in how he's drafting and constructing this team. 
I was actually at his podium at the combine this year, and that was one of the questions that I asked him. I talked about, hey man, you like you you don't have a first round pick, and and you're kind of used to being later in the draft and making some moves and having to kind of work on the fly when it comes to to picking in a draft. Does this make you more aggressive? Does it change how you approach things? And he kind of, you know, paused a little bit and did the thing where, you know, you look off into the, at the ceiling and you're like, hmm, let me think about this really quick. And uh, I don't know if he was doing that to, to hide anything or if he was just collecting his thoughts. But without really answering the question the way that I kind of wanted him to, he at least went into it and said, yeah, I mean, it kind of does force you to be a little bit more aggressive because especially if you're in a winning window, you've got to be able to pinpoint the areas of the team that will help you the most. And that is often, well, not often, but it can sometimes be not necessarily going in need, but making a strength stronger. And I think that a lot of GMs really go by that kind of thought process is that, hey, maybe the best draft pick for us isn't patching up what we're not doing well. Maybe it's what we're doing well and doing it even better, right? I mean, we joke about it all the time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, sometimes we won't have them. Sometimes I'll do a mock draft and I just won't have the Kansas City Chiefs taking a defensive player. And people are like, okay, well, obviously, you know, linebacker, corner, defensive line, those kinds of things are the biggest needs for the Kansas City Chiefs. And yet you have them taking a running back, you got to take another wide receiver or something, whatever it is like that. And I go, yeah, defense doesn't matter to them. It doesn't. If they're scoring 35, 40 points a game, it really basically doesn't matter. And so not to that extent, maybe for the Los Angeles Rams, but for a player like Denzel Mims, you know, you're clearly trying to build it off of offense. Yes, you've you've made some big trades to and, and you've had some big production out of some defensive players. But, you know, it's running through Jared Goff. I mean, the offense is 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 hopefully what is going to carry you where you want to go. And if that's the case, uh, depending on how you look at this wide receiver room, then maybe Denzel Mims can fit right i mean you've got woods you've got cooks you, you cooks you've got cup but adding another wide receiver especially a damn good one that's just more options on the table right and if he's better than one of the guys you have now then maybe you make some movement and you get an upgrade there you get a future draft pick for it and so denzel mims is i don't think he's gonna be there at 52 for example so i don't think that necessarily talking about his name matters the most but like if there's a wide receiver that they believe helps them out, a Brandon Ayuk, a Donovan Peoples-Jones, a Brian Edwards, a KJ Hamler, something like that, who knows? Maybe that is the way that they go because teams that don't have a lot of draft picks, they allow their minds and their strategies to go to some, I don't want to say weird, I'll just say unconventional places when it comes to adding talent on the roster. And that's totally something the Rams have done in the past. I, I definitely think receivers in play at 52 there's almost no shot that come 2021 the receiving core is Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cups, and Robert Woods. I, I that would floor me. Uh, Cooks is in a con or Cooks has a bad contract. They definitely want to move, and Cup is coming up as a free agent. So, uh, yeah, and all all I've heard is this is like the deepest receiver class in years. I mean, is is that true? It's the, by far the deepest wide receiver class I've ever scouted. Yes, and I've been doing this for. You know, I haven't been doing it as long as other people have, probably five, six years. I've been really paying attention and getting into it and scouting and writing down notes on these guys, sometimes on full-time contract levels, but other times just in my spare time. But this is definitely the deepest wide receiver class that I've scouted. Uh, right on. I uh, So at, I guess at 52, and edge rusher and I think guard are two two needs for the Rams not super pressing. I think if you go into the season with the guys you have, you don't feel good about it, but I don't think that'll make or break the season. But they have young guys on unproven contracts. They have veterans on basically one-year deals. At 52, if you're looking at edge rushers or, let's say, guards, what do you think will have more value when you get to that point? And who are, who, like, who is the guy you would look at for the Rams there? I think there's a chance that some some good edge players are still left at 52. Um, I think it, Zach Bond's probably gone. Yigros Matos is probably gone. Caleb on Chason's obviously going to be gone. But you've got some players like Julian Aquara from Notre Dame, who I think has got a, a, a pretty high ceiling, though I wish he would have taken more of a step this year. I thought he was slow to start, and um, that might be just how his NFL career starts. But I think he's got some good ability in there. Josh Uche's another guy I like, really more of a speed guy. He's about 6'1", 240, so he's on the lighter side of an edge player, uh, more of a stand-up outside linebacker type. But 
dude can bend around the edge. Dude's got a lot of speed coming off the ball, and he can really convert speed to power in ways that some of these other edge players don't have. If you want more of a hand-in-the-dirt, kind of a five-tech edge rusher, Jonathan Grenard's a guy I really like. Um, I know Bradley and I and Kenny Willickis have some some hives in there as, as, as players who— Maybe you don't want them on these full-time roles as the number one edge rusher on the team, but rotational edge players who I think can attack a pocket pretty well. And so those are all some names that might be there at, you know, the top guys at 52. And then maybe some guys that I named could be available in the the, the third round when they pick. But then if we're switching it over to interior offensive line, 52, I'm trying to think. Cesar Ruiz is not going to be there at 52. Lloyd Cushenberry, I don't think will either. Jonah Jackson, mm, that's right around the range for those guys. Shoot, if they could get Jonah Jackson, I mean, that is a that is a plug-and-play player for them, I, as would Lloyd Cushenberry, I think. Matt Hennessy's on the board as well. I think that he would be good for him. But those three, Cushenberry, Jackson, and Hennessy, I think are the three that if they're targeting one at 52, realistically, those are the guys you're looking at to potentially draft there and be able to play in year one. I can go for some Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, anyone at either of those positions you, you were looking at that you want to talk about? Uh, actually, one guy that uh, I'd like to hear a little more about is Washington center uh, Nick Harris. Yeah, so I like Nick Harris a lot, man clearly very strong and fast off the ball he's just small you know like he's he's six one he's about 290 and you just watch the senior bowl tape i mean i was i was trying to keep an eye on on nick harris pretty well when i was watching the senior bowl because the pac-12 can often be just a different brand of football i'm not saying it's a bad brand of football i'm just saying it's different at times and nick harris got to the senior bowl and for example he was going up in, against, I believe it was Javon Kinlaw. It might have been somebody else. But he hikes the ball and snaps it. He gets that right arm straight into their chest. Just boom. Like, ball is snapped, arm into the chest. Like, quick and as powerful as can be. He jolts whoever was playing defensive tackle back. But then the second this defensive tackle recovered, was able to get his hands up, extend his hands even longer, and push into the pocket, Harris lost with length. He lost with leverage, and he lost being an anchor. And that's what really worries me about him because he is a smaller interior offensive lineman. Man, I, I like him. He just – I think that he's just too vulnerable. He just it, – it's hard to make up for the lack of length that he has. I think that he understands things really, really well. He's got good experience at guard and at center. Um, the feet move really well for him. I think he's got a good base. It just doesn't show up always with the strength, and I think he gets overpowered a little bit. And I think that has that just has to do with the length. He gets outreached by a lot of these uh, longer-armed interior defensive linemen, and they really mess up his balance, and it, it affects how he can anchor. And so, shoot, there's a lot of things that I like about his game. But if he's getting bullied too much in the middle, which I'm not sure if he will or not. Uh, I, I certainly hope that he's not because he's got the rest of the game that you really like. But that worries me. The length worries me with Nick Harris. And it seems okay. like the Rams uh, are going to head into the season with Austin Bly at center. So maybe that's a guy that you, you take a chance on and hope you can develop him a little bit. But obviously there there's pros and cons to anyone that you're getting past day one. Uh, the guys who don't have cons are going pretty quickly. I, I, I guess this is probably my last question. Johnny, you can chime in anything else you got. Um, is there any offensive players, like skill positions, I don't necessarily know if they're going to target anyone on day two, but you never know. Is there anyone you've been watching that just screams like a guy you'd love to see Sean McVay get his hands on? Ooh, a guy for Sean McVay to get his hands on. <sighs> you know, I like Antonio Gandy-Golden. I like Isaiah Hodgins. These are some day three guys that I'm big fans of. Lynn Bowden, if he knows what to do with them. I really like Lynn Bowden as kind of a gadget player. He's a guy who can play out of the backfield. He can play into the slot. I think that he gives you a lot of versatility. These are all wide receivers that, that I'm naming here. Those are some names that I like that just on, on day three, sometime in round four, five, six, wherever it is that they go, 
I think that if you put them in the right offense with a creative mind, you can get a steal. You really can get a steal. Courtney Davis from Texas A&M is probably another guy that I think wins a lot with route running that you could diversify where you're playing them around the field. And I think that's the big thing is that if you just get somebody who's willing to be open-minded and creative with what any of these players do really, really well, I think they could really pan out for you. And that's what, that's what we're talking about when we say that this draft is as talented and as, as deep as any that we have ever seen is that rounds four, five, six, if you're willing to work with these guys and you've got a plan for them and you know what they do well, they can impact your offense. We're talking about day three skill players that can really impact your offense. And I think that there's a handful of guys that, that any coach in the NFL would really, really like. And then there's going to be some scheme specific guys that are think are going to be, um, where their landing spot happens matters, but honestly, it's just gonna it's just gonna all predicate on on what the mindset of the offensive guy is that they're going to. So, I'll say, man, that there's plenty of names that I can list on day three. Those are just a couple that come to my mind, just because I like them a lot as prospects, and I I would really trust Sean McVay to do a lot of good things with them. And the Rams do have some some day three capital. All right, this this is my actual last question because I just during the course of this podcast, I just saw this guy was a pro- prospect. Trev, last year I. I turned on the draft very late. I saw like the last three picks. The Rams drafted Dakota Allen. Couldn't tell you how excited I was about that. I watched Last Chance U when they were on it. I'm seeing Chauncey yeah. Rivers is a draft prospect. Yeah, literally had no idea. How legit? Like how legit of a prospect is he? I really have not watched Rivers at all. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, neither I, have I. I I knew, I knew him from the show. Uh, I'm a big Last Chance You guy myself, and I, I recognized his name immediately. And so, honestly, man, uh, I've, I've seen some flashes of him, but the, the most tape that I've watched of him has come from Last Chance You. So I couldn't really answer that as well as I wish I could. Fair, fair enough. Well, I might have to dive in his Mississippi State tape. I didn't realize he was even like a real prospect. Johnny, any, any last things you want to ask before, before we let Trevor go? Uh, just uh, one more. This uh, how uh, okay. So let me start by saying this: the the Rams are kind of going into the season with a little bit of unknown at uh, running back. From what I understand, Les Need is um, saying that they'll do a running back by committee, which means Daryl Henderson and uh, Malcolm Brown will probably be the guys uh the go-to guys immediately but seeing at how running back has been sort of a focus uh with some of these uh interviews uh who do you think would be a well actually first do you think that this is a good draft class for running backs and in your opinion is there a running back that should be coveted in the second and third round Second and third round, plenty. I think that that's a that's a sweet spot for these running backs. I mean, it, there's there would even be a chance that one of DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Cam Akers. Those are the top five backs. Those are starting running backs in the NFL. I mean, like I think all five of those guys can start in the NFL, and one or even two are going to be on the board at fifty two when when the Rams come up. But man. Th- it's so deep. We talk about the wide receiver classes, running back classes deep too. You know, Benjamin, Zach Moss, Anthony McFarlane, LaMichael Pirine, AJ Dillon. I'm AJ Dillon. I'll just stop there. I'd, I think that would be fun as hell if the, if the Rams paired their current crop of guys with Darrell, with mainly Daryl Henderson with a guy like AJ Dillon, just creating this true smash and dash kind of a one, two combo. Um, along with the other guys that are there. I'd actually love to hear you guys' opinions on what John Kelly has been because I kind of low-key like John Kelly coming out in the draft. But all that to say, this running back class is good, and it's deep. And if they want to take a swing on one with one of their late third-round picks, because I, I, would, I would advise not taking a running back uh, with their number 52 pick just because when you have needs on the trenches on both sides of the ball – you don't need to be picking a running back, especially in this class. You can get one in the third round. You can get one in the early fourth round. Some of the guys that I named there, Zach Moss would maybe be another guy that I'd like to pair with what the Rams currently have in their running back room. But um, 
Yeah, so that's probably what that's probably what my plan of attack would be if I was the Rams looking at running backs. Trevor, right in my wheelhouse, asking us about John Kelly. I gotta say, uh, is he good? Is he good? Please tell me he's good. We we both we both like John John Kelly. Uh, I believe Johnny liked him too. We really liked him in that preseason, but I think it says a lot that they literally signed C.J. Anderson off the street and gave him every single carry. Before they gave John Kelly a shot. Oh, that broke my heart. But I don't know. If if they don't take a running back, I'd love him to be the third guy on the roster. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not not out on him yet, but I don't know. They they haven't given him a chance, and there might be a reason. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing, too, is because one of the guys that they brought in for an interview is uh, UCLA's Joshua Kelly. Okay. Oddly, oddly enough, his last name is Kelly, and I, I think they're very similar in styles, and it makes me question why would you look at Joshua Kelly? Now, I know Kelly's more towards the latter end of the draft, but and, and I guess it wouldn't be a huge waste if, if they threw like a sixth or seventh round pick at him, but it, it's just, it, it makes me question why would you go for a guy like Joshua Kelly when you have John Kelly still on the roster and they haven't really given him much of an opportunity. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It just all depends. Coaches and GM's opinions of running backs are so different from team to team that there, I mean, like there is no universal following. I, I, I really don't know. These Coaches run through running backs like crazy, and one team could release one running back at the beginning of training camp. Another team could pick him up, and he could play a vital role for them. It's just so much of how you use them and what your opinion are of them. And and I think that's a big uh, reason why people say, hey, don't draft running backs high, because there's just such a sway in opinion. There's a, a differing of use, and it feels like you can always get a good running back the next year, no matter what class it is. And so... Oh, man. I mean, like, I would love for it to work out for John Kelly because I thought that his tape at uh, at Tennessee was a lot of fun at times. But it, it seemed like, yeah, I, I couldn't remember who replaced him, but that was the C.J. Anderson when they pulled yeah. him out of nowhere. And it was like, oh, OK, I guess John Kelly is not good. And I was kind of disappointed on that. So I, teams take flyers on running backs all the time. And we see these late round running backs just turn into contributors. And so it, I guess it makes sense for them. And like I said, I, I'd be fine with John Kelly being the third back. He, I I still think there's something there. I don't know how much of something, but uh, we both really liked him in the preseason. He showed some stuff. Uh, all right, Trev, we'll, uh, we'll let you hop off. Anything you want to plug before you go? Uh, just draftnetwork.com. If anybody else out there is uh, is a draft nut, then we've got some awesome tools. We've got to build your own big board for you to make all your position rankings if you got some. we got a mock draft machine if you want to make your own mock drafts and see who your team might be in range for whether it's the first second third round whatever it is all the way one through seven you could do all kinds of varying mock drafts there we have a ton of fun with it so yeah man if you're if you're a draft fan in any way looking to learn more about the prospects that your team might take head on over to the draftnetwork.com awesome definitely check it out and follow trevor on twitter at tampa bay trey as i said a a genuinely great follow Uh, all right man thanks for hopping on Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, that was uh, I, I enjoyed the call, Johnny. Had, he had some great questions. No, no Chauncey Rivers talk. We'll have, we'll have to get there later. But I guess let's let's move on to some current Rams news. <laughs> I'm sure everyone on the Rams is thrilled about this. Today it was it was expected. I don't think it was officially announced, but it was tweeted by Schefter. So that's about as official as it can get without an official announcement. The Rams are going back to hard knocks with the Chargers. They're going to put two teams on hard knocks, which, uh, look, I 
I actually think that's not a bad idea. I've only watched the Rams hard knocks in the last five years or so. So they're going to get me to care about a second team. But obviously these guys moving into the new stadium, moving into the new digs together, they're kind of linked. But more importantly, how, like, how do you feel that the Rams are going to be back on hard knocks? Well, it's going to be real interesting, especially with this whole, you know, COVID-19 pandemic going around if to see when this is going to actually air. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I think even when this starts becoming to a more of a reality, I think the precautions alone is what's going to make me more interested in this show. Uh, Because personally, I, I mean, I. Of course, I'm going to watch it because, you know, uh, I'm a fan of the Rams. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, there's a reason why we're not watching it when it's another team. It's kind of boring, honestly, at least in my opinion. Um, And if if you disagree with that, you know, just remember, you can always uh, tweet at me at Steve Ribeiro. You know, you can you can. uh, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I don't know steve are you a fan of hard knocks like is this something you really really look forward to i enjoyed it when the rams were on it and i i'm be looking forward to it now because they're back on it um and like i think really there hasn't been a ton of like super intriguing teams on on hard knocks i mean when the rams were on it there's a lot of like fun shit that I liked, like Aaron Donald playing ping pong shirtless against random college kids, uh, Brian Quick, or Kenny Britt or Brian Quick, I don't remember who was driving, but one of them flipped a dune buggy. Uh, We got the Jeff Fisher 7-9 bullshit rant, but like the the players they focused on, they weren't that exciting, honestly. Um and, like, when the Browns were on it, they didn't really focus on Josh Gordon that much, I heard. Uh, I don't know. that. Did the Raiders focus on Antonio Brown that much last year? Like, I feel like they didn't. I don't didn't. think so. <laughs> For a good reason. Yeah, but that's where the money is. That's what you want to see. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's a PR nightmare. Could you imagine? The, yeah. The PR people would probably, like, quit after they found that out. I, that look, as someone who just watched Tiger King, like that's where the money is. Is in, it's not watching like Andrew Whitworth read or no when the Rams were on it. It's not watching Case Keenum's wife read him his playbook. That was like a, <laughs> that was a big plot of Hard Knocks when we were when he was on it. Uh, like I like who's the most like they're obviously gonna tar. They always show some some fringe guys who probably are going to make the team and what that's like. And I think that's always interesting, but like active roster guys, who's, who is going to be the most interesting guy they're going to follow around on hard knocks. And cause also they're, they're not going to like Aaron Donald's not going to be a main character. You know, he'll, he'll show up, he'll do some fun shit, but he's not going to be the focus of the show. Jared Goff probably won't be either. Uh, Goff who literally said he liked nothing about hard knocks. Partially, I'm sure, because it made him look like an idiot. But like, I don't like oh, who's did. gonna be the focus. Uh, I, I'd be okay with them, uh, maybe centering around Jalen Ramsey. I was don't know if he'd do him. it. Yeah, I think I think I, I out of the stars, he's that. got the best chance of of getting like a big shine on the season. The only other player I can really think of, maybe Johnny Hecker. I'm for it. Uh, like they they he's got funny. rid of a lot of their personality over the last year or so. Ram Ramsey's fun. I hope he's a focus. Uh, I could watch. I, ideally, it's just sixty well thirty minutes because we're sharing it. Thirty minutes of Aaron Donald just doing routines. I could watch that all day. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. But the players, I don't. I don't think they really enjoyed it last time and. We went four and twelve after it. So that, did you watch the that year? We were on the Amazon show too, so it was just like six months of cameras and six months of just absolute train wreck. 
I, you know, I didn't actually catch the Amazon one. Uh, I, I, I remember something being covered on that, but yeah, I, I completely forgot about it probably because it's on Amazon, but, uh, yeah. How was that? It, it was interesting. Cause like you, Jeff Fisher got fired during it. So like, that was crazy. Uh, Damn honestly, it, I missed. yeah, honestly, like, I don't know if it was more like, it wasn't as funny as hard knocks. Uh, cause also we had, we had Will Hayes on that season of hard knocks. He was the best part. I That's forgot true. about that. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, the the Amazon show is more like interesting because you saw them fall apart and you saw Jeff Fisher get fired, and so like that you didn't see him get fired, but you they had on video him addressing the team for the first time on the show after he got fired. So that it, it, that show was cool. I think depending on the team they highlight. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I bet the Cardinal season was cool when they almost went to the Super Bowl. I don't even remember who was on it, but that show, I think, I prefer that to Hard Knocks. Yeah, that, that sounds a little more interesting. Uh, but, I don't know, maybe they'll surprise us this year. I mean, and it is a little bit different this time around, too, because, like you said, they uh, they're going to be with the Chargers as well. So maybe the focus, maybe there'll be a little more uh, coverage on them sharing the stadium. Uh, I have no idea if they're going to be practicing together or not, but um, that could be an interesting you know, collaboration as well. I know this past uh, training camp, they practice a lot with the Chargers. So well, it should be interesting. Yeah, I, I think that'll be a fun aspect of it. I would bet a lot of money that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the focus of the Chargers one. Like, no doubt. Probably. Uh, if Case Keenum was the focus of ours, <laughs> it's going to it, Tyrod's definitely going to get some shine. Uh, but, hey, I love content like this, so I'll definitely tune in because the Rams are on it. I wouldn't if they weren't, but we're on it, so it is what it is. Um, I guess, I guess the, the next and Maybe really the only other Rams topic we actually have here. Les Snead today, and this has been getting a lot, of, a lot of talk recently about what the Rams' backfield is going to look like this year. And uh, they basically said that they plan on using Daryl Henderson in a running back co- by committee. So this is the quote from Les Snead on conference call Monday. What we do right, – wait. That's not that's shivers. What we want to be, and this will progress naturally, is certainly be a team that utilizes more than just one workhorse running the ball, have a different genre of skill sets and a complementary type running game. With that being said, you could get in week four and there's only one singular running back on the team who is playing extremely hot, and maybe that person starts getting more carries. We have this big picture vision of Daryl being a part of it, but we do expect other pieces to be a part as well. So that sounds like GM speak. It's not really a ton there, but it it definitely seems like the Rams will consider getting running back in the draft, which we talked about with Trevor. But, but let's let's say they get like a fifth or sixth round pick. I mean, what what do you expect the like splits between Henderson and Brown to be? If if let's let's just say they're the two guys, and maybe it's either John Kelly or a fifth round pick as a third guy. Well, I I think that uh, just depending on Henderson's development, you know, if Henderson comes out of camp and, uh, you know, even the preseason, considering they actually use him during the preseason, they um, they're probably going to give Henderson the bulk of the carries initially, uh, unless Malcolm Brown is completely outshining him. I imagine Malcolm Brown's role will be about the same, maybe a few more snaps, um, just because I think he he will have to ha- be that kind of change of pace, especially if they are going to try and do by committee. And as far as if they do draft a new running back along with this, um, I think this is a good opportunity to kind of have a successful trio 
if that comes down to it, you know, kind of something similar to like how the Eagles have been doing it for so long. Uh, hopefully there's a little more success there, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really what it's going to come down to is who they end up drafting as well and how ready they'll be. Uh, if they draft, for example, a Zach Moss or something like that, uh, I can see them splitting the carries with Daryl Henderson because while Henderson does have a year on whoever this rookie's going to be, they're both extremely raw. So it'll be nice to have Malcolm Brown there to kind of balance it out a little bit. Yeah, I I think Henderson, though, is going to get his shot to be the workhorse, at least running the ball. I, I do think, you know, Henderson seems like a guy that you would, like, in theory, we get all the passing work. I, I don't think he will. I think, honestly, Brown will play more passing downs than rushing downs because we don't have any proof that Henderson can pass block. And while he's pro- he's going to be the more effective and shifty pass catcher, depending on if the line plays closer to it did last year than it did two years ago, you're going to need pass protection from your running back like, like Gurley and Brown did last year, who I thought were both very efficient pass protectors. Uh, and uh, in that, for that reason, I think we'll see a decent amount of Brown in the running game or in the passing game. We'll also probably see Brown get goal line work, which I hate as a fantasy football player, but that seems likely. And I, but I do, I do hope they really give Daryl his chance to prove that he is, he can be that guy, the the lead back, the workhorse, and whatnot. Um, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about drafting running back, man. I, I think unless there's a guy that you would have taken in the first round had you had that pick that you're evaluating as first-round talent, there's so many other needs at those positions, and I think I'd rather take a receiver if we're going to take one of these positions, to be honest. I, I, do, and I do think that the Rams are going to end up taking a receiver, and it might be earlier than what people anticipate just because this is a deep receiver draft. And I think that Brandon Cooks is probably on his way out during the draft. I have a feeling Les Need is going to probably trade him for like a second or third round pick, I'm hoping. Uh, but I don't know. Like um, if, if they do end up trading Cooks, it would make sense to draft, you know, a, a wide receiver at a high you know, at a, well, not a high, but at a second round draft pick, I, I think that would make sense then, especially if it's a steal at that, um, at that pick. So I, I do think that they will end up drafting a wide receiver, but when and who is the real question. And I do see them drafting a running back at some point too. And, uh, you know, they have two third-round picks, so I, I expect at least one of those picks to be a running back. Damn, that's a prediction right there. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot to be excited for in this year's draft. Won't happen in the first round, obviously, but uh, in day two, I think it's going to be a real exciting day for the Rams. Hey, you never know. The Rams... They could trade up in the first round. I I don't think I don't think they will or should unless like there's an edge rusher that falls that's like they value really highly. Um, what they should do is trade their entire draft for Chase Young, but that's impossible. So <laughs> that would be that would be ideal. I would not add it that. <laughs> um, my one of my one of my co-writers, Roto Baller. Uh, anyone who's on Rams Twitter might have saw us at uh, Jason Katz. He tweeted in response to that committee news. He he tweeted, if there's one thing the Rams definitely don't want to do, it's feature Daryl Henderson. The Rams hate Daryl Henderson. And Daryl Henderson quote tweeted him with a thinking emoji. So he got he got put on blast by a lot a lot of Rams Twitter. Which which is funny because he literally was insulting the coaching staff and not Daryl Henderson, and everyone took it as he was insulting Daryl Henderson. 
Yikes. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, all right, man. Is there anything else you want to hit this week? It's like day 26 of my quarantine. Uh, just know. that I I can't wait for the draft, man. Like uh, I said. It's needed. I, I'm, I, I, I even have plans with uh, a couple of buddies of mine that uh, we were actually going to go watch the NFL draft at a bar. We, it's kind of a tradition that we have. And we obviously can't do that now. So we're actually planning either a Skype or a Zoom meetup and, you know, basically turn this into a drinking game to where, like, we'll take a shot whenever we hear prototypical player or <laughs> when they're at whenever the trade happening. A lot of upside. Uh, he's young, <laughs> uh, undersized. Yeah, the prototypical player is a good one. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be funny, and I'm gonna be really messed up by the end of it. The, the Bill Simmons has been doing a lot of NBA redrafts that I've been listening to, and like it's funny when they talk about the actual broadcast and just like the vague words they use to describe players. Like uh, they when <laughs> so when the, the, the I listened to the one where the Clippers took here it's a throwback Michael Olawa Candy first overall. The Candyman. Uh, Simmons said it, Elgin Baylor was a GM at the time, and he mentioned the word upside three times in ten seconds when talking about <laughs> Michael Oldwick-Candy. <laughs> Dang, that's going way back. I forgot about Michael Oldwick-Candy. Literally, the, he, well, he was the biggest tr- number one pick bust, I'd say, ever until Anthony Bennett rolled along, who somehow had a worse career uh, and both of the, it's funny because both of those guys too, when they got picked, it was the head scratcher. Neither were considered the best player in the draft by most people. And people were like, what? And then they didn't even end up being good players. Like not even like decent players, you know, like, uh, and like Joe Smith, even more of a throwback was like, or Kwame Brown's a better example. Kwame Brown was an okay player. No, he just shouldn't have gone number one. And it's like Anthony Bennett, guys like that, they're just fucking terrible. They had no business even be- being top ten picks. I- I'm still scratching my head at Darko Milicic. <laughs> even uh, Darko wasn't very good, but he, like, eventually he became a, so, like, an okay eighth man. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just... An okay eighth man. Which, like... If you take an okay eighth man with like the twentieth pick, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> he got picked right before Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, so that one aged extremely poorly. Uh, Very poorly. <laughs> even the like Chris Kamen and Kirk Heinrich had better careers. The guys that went after him. Uh, yeah, that's a bad one. Who? Never mind. Who? I was gonna say who is the biggest. NFL first number one pick bust. It's definitely Jamarcus Russell or Jamarcus Russell, I think. I don't even think it's like a conversation. Yeah, Jamarcus Russell for sure. Yeah, it's there there's nobody else. I I don't I don't even think it's I, I don't know. I don't think there's anyone at least in recent memory that even is in the conversation. No, no, not no question whatsoever. And I give my Raider f- friends, uh, you know, hell every time the draft comes around. <laughs> Ready for your next Marcus Russell? Like David Carr, bad, but he at least had a second life as a backup. You know, he, he hung around for a long time. Jamarcus uh, Russell. Take him over. It, it's crazy. Like you look at. Like, you click on the number one picks on, on Wikipedia, and since 2001, the only number one picks that haven't been pro bowlers, David Carr, Jamarcus Russell, Sam Bradford, that was us, uh, and then Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, who, uh, we'll see, it seems like they'll sneak into a pro bowl, especially with how meaningless that designation is now, uh, and Sam, Sam Bradford, 
had at least you could chalk it up to injuries and he was decent for a time and he made a shitload of money not just from us so uh i i blaine blaine grisick if you're on twitter i'm sure you know him you still work with us uh he, he we had an argument the other day where he was saying sam bradford is he thinks he's the biggest bust ever because of how many chances and how much money he made uh, which if you're looking at it that way, like maybe, but that's, that's not the way to look at it because he was actually a decent player who won a rookie of the year. Yeah. Not too many, uh, bus I know of have won rookie of the year before. How about this? Since 2001, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back because this is pretty, this, oh, never mind. This is pretty crazy, though. Since, I don't know, uh, way, way long time. Pretty much, uh, I'm going back here. This Okay. Since 1982, there's been two number one picks to win Rookie of the Year. Can you so name them? Obviously- can, can you name them? Bradford? Yep. Mm, let's see who would be the other that's nuts i can't believe that's true i'm not sure i'm not sure uh he he well he plays in the nfl but he is currently a free agent philip rivers cam newton oh cam newton oh wait no philip philip rivers isn't a free agent anymore and he wasn't the number one pick that's true. <laughs> uh, even the uh, e- Eli um, play played for the team that drafted Bill Rivers, so like, I, I don't know if that <laughs> if that fucking means anything. Uh, yeah, that that's crazy. It, it's funny, like how we we're talking about basketball, and it's such it's so different between the sports. What the number one pick means, you know, if you yeah, like. In in the NBA, you want you almost need that number one pick to be a generational talent, and in the NFL, you need that you need that to be a. You, if you, if you're not a quarterback, it doesn't necessarily need to be a top five quarterback. You know, it could be like if Jared Goff is a top ten quarterback for most of his career, you're fine with that. That's a good investment. Top fifteen, not even not even a bad investment. Like like I don't know Matt Stafford. You're not. You're not. You don't regret that first round pick at all. Number one overall pick. He made one Pro Bowl, but like, that's not the reason why you guys have sucked for so long. <laughs> that's true. That's extremely true for the Lions' sake. I, I gotta calm down with these just meaningless end of podcast rants. They've been they've been getting a little off the rails lately. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, hey, WrestleMania was insane. By the way. Uh, better than it had any right to be. I was I was actually reading a couple articles on on WrestleMania how it was it was actually really good, and I was like, huh, that almost makes me want to watch wrestling again. I would say anyone who like watched wrestling in like the peak of the nineties and early two thousands, if you're really bored, you could get a, a WWE Network subscription for free. Go to night one of this year's WrestleMania and just skip to the Undertaker match, which they pre-recorded. It was pretty much like a B-movie fought in a fucking graveyard. Uh, it, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. Uh, other than that, you're probably not going to be too entertained by wrestling without a crowd. But that match, I think anyone who has any familiarity with The Undertaker would, would enjoy that. Sounds good. Might have to watch that. It was nuts. Uh, but all right. Wrap it up here. Be back. Probably talking more draft next week. Uh, if you have submissions for the new intro sound bite, send them our way. Uh, but other than that, for Johnny and this is Steve, we'll talk to you then. I don't really think I'm an idiot most of the time.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.